You know, David, David spoke about these being hard times, um, difficult times for, for people in this town and country and world. We're going to speak about that a little. Ephesians 4 is the equipping of the saints, and a lot of you guys have heard that message and read that scripture before. Um, as your pastor, I would be an equipper. That's why you come here, to worship God, to to pour your gifts into the body and to be equipped for the ministry, okay? So I believe today's message is very applicable. You can apply it to your life. And I think it's going to be a good word for all of us this morning during these times. I want to read verses 1 through 16. And then I want to pray for our time together, okay? Paul says, have your highlighters out. Stoney, I know it's not good for the camera when I come up right to it, but it would be good for us today, okay? Scare everybody at home. I want you to highlight verse 1, please. Paul says, I, therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you. And I read this a hundred times this week. Literally a hundred, I've read it so many times, guys, that the words literally started to get blurry. I had a lot on my mind. I was thinking through a lot of things, and as the words got blurry, my heart got confused. Man, this word, beseech, just got more clear and clear and clear. Man, it's the purpose of the message today. Paul says, the prisoner of the Lord, I beseech you. I beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called. What does Paul want us to do? He says, I want you to live a life of all lowliness, humility, and gentleness, and long-suffering, bearing with one another, endeavoring to keep the unity. That's where we're going to be next week, unity. To keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called in one hope of all your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. Hang with me. Verse 7. But to each one of us, grace was given according to measure of God's gifts. That's where we're going to be two weeks from now. Therefore, he says, and he's quoting Psalms here, when he ascended on high, being Christ, he led captivity captive, and he gave gifts to men. Now, this he ascended, what does it mean? But he also first descended into the lower parts of the earth, Paul asks. No, he says, he who descended is also the one who ascended far above all the heavens, that he might feel all things. And he himself gave some to be apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and some teachers. Why? For the equipping of the saints. Who are the saints? It are you. The equipping of the saints. That is why we come. For the work of the what? The ministry. For the edifying of the body, the building up of the church, till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to be a perfect man to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Will you highlight verse 14? Kids, if you have your Bible open, 
our Wednesday night class, Mr. Jacob and Leah, they put highlighters out there. You have a Bible just like mom and dad. Break open that Bible. Highlight verse 14 for me, kids. Why does Paul ask these things? What does he want? He says, I want you to live this way that we are no longer to be children. Tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine. He says, I don't want that for you. I don't want the trickery of men to impact you. And the cunningness of craftiness are deceitful and plotting. But speaking the truth in love and to grow in all things and to him who is the head, Christ from whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies, last verse, according to the effective working by which every part does its share, causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. Let's pray for our time together. God, we thank you for today. Lord, I am thankful for your church. I am thank you for people who come together dedicated to growing your body to pouring into one another, encouraging one another, teaching one another, loving one another. As David said, these are hard times. There are so many things that are pulling at us. There are so many things that are distracting us. There are so many things that are hurting us. And in this time, Lord, I thank God for your church. I thank God for my brothers and my sisters here. I thank the Lord for your word. Lord, I am tired in ways. We are discouraged in ways. We are lost in ways. We are wandering in ways. And Lord, I pray that as we come to be equipped for the work of the Lord, to be light bearers, image bearers in this world, this culture, Lord, I pray that we remove all distractions, that we feast our attention and hearts on your words, and we grow. We might have come in weak and tired, but we leave strong and ready. In your precious name, the church says in harmony, amen, amen. Amen. Last week um, was a wonderful picture of why the church is awesome. As I said in my prayer and David said in his, this is a hard time to live in. I think what we are experiencing is biblical in church history. Um, We are being pulled, rightfully so and unrightfully so, in a million different directions in this culture and times that we live in. And what we did last Sunday, we came together. We're about to go into Galatians in about three weeks. And I don't like jumping from Lamentations in the next week, Galatians in the next week, and, you know, Exodus in the next, I don't like doing that. So I like having just a little space to where your pastor can pour into you and other people can pour into you that might be what the Spirit has brought to their heart. I like, that's how I teach. That's how I want to move. And so we talked about the enemy. And we talked about how if you are a Christian, you are on the board. And we talked about keeping our hands up in the battle with Satan. And that is just something that we're all going to experience. You needed to hear it. We look at Peter. And as I was talking about Brad's Bible study on Friday, Brad did a wonderful job speaking about the temptation of Peter and the faith of Peter. And if you remember our footsteps, footprints, uh, Um, study that we did a few years ago, 
There was this moment where Peter looked at Jesus and he says, I am ready, I am ready to die for you. I will flip as many tables as you have flipped. I hope they come and take you, right? Like I am ready to kill, I am ready to die. And and what happened when, when Peter actually faced the moment, right? He wasn't as ready as he thought that he was. And what do we say, guys? The enemy has been doing this longer than you have. He knows your strings to pull. In the moment where you think, man, I got this and I'm a scholar in his word and I'm so experienced, I am ready. I don't need a daily walk with the Lord. I don't need the church. God, I'm ready to die for you. The enemy goes, man, give me that pride because I am coming fast for you. You needed that last Sunday. That you are on the board. He is coming. He is coming for Jordan. He is coming for David. He is coming for Wendy. He is coming for Liam. And so you come in to be equipped. You come in to be poured into. You're here to be encouraged. You're here to worship. You're here to make little of you and much of him. And then we find ourselves on Wednesday night. Man, I know I plug Wednesday night a lot, but man, if you're missing it, you're missing a lot. It is an awesome time together. Psalms has been too good for this church. We come together and we don't talk about the temptation of the enemy. We talk about the testing of God. We find ourselves in Psalm 6 and we look at David and there's this moment. What did, for my Wednesday night folks, what did David say? He said, how long is this going to last? Right? He says, I am tired. What have I done? Do not punish me in your anger. What have I done to make you so angry? Verbatim, how long is this going to last? Have you ever felt like that, church? Anna Todd brought a name to the prayer list that night about a young family with a four-month-year-old child that was diagnosed with cancer. We kept thinking about that family and we kept using that as an illustration as we looked at David. And I'm sure that that family is, God, what are, you, what are you doing? Like, why have you done this? What have I done to make you so angry? How long is this going to last? Haven't you been there? And so what we see in that church, as in the temptation of the enemy, in the testing of our creator, you need to be equipped for this. You are not wise enough, and you are not strong enough, and you are not prepared enough, and you are not ready enough. You need daily time with Jesus, and you need the church, and you need discipleship, and you need brothers and sisters to walk with you in encouragement. I'm pleading with you to see the importance of this. As I told you, this was a weird week for me. Um, I can usually sit down with an idea and just start fleshing it out. And I have a good practice of that. And I just sat down. I don't know if I had crumpled up so many pieces of paper in my ministry life. 
I was sitting there literally on Saturday night, and I was like, ah, where, where am I going? What am I doing? I've read this, as I said, so many times. I kept getting pulled from Ephesians 4, but Ephesians 4 is where God had me, and I kept reading it, and I had read it so many times. I was like, I have so many thoughts, and it got blurry. But in the blurriness, there is one word that every day, every hour this week, just man, like a locomotive, kept giving new life to And that is that word, beseech. You know what that word means? It's the first time the word beseech ever crushed me. The word beseech literally means to beg. And we look at the equipping of the saints and we look at living a godly life and we look at this difficult culture and we look at pouring into our brothers. We look at living close to God. And how does it start? Paul goes, man, I am begging you. I am begging you. Have you ever begged anyone? I kept thinking about that. Think about it for a minute. Have you ever begged anyone for anything? And I don't mean self-righteous lecturing on how someone should act. Like, I've done that. You've done that. I just wish you would raise your kids right. Right? I just wish I'm begging you to clean your room. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about out of a deep desire for change. You ever begged anyone? I want you to take a second, guys. Remember all distractions away from you. All throughout this Bible, from Genesis to Revelation, it is filled with godly men and godly women begging. Begging. Like, you don't understand how dangerous this world is. You don't understand the temptation of the enemy. You don't understand the difficulty of God's testing in the midst of this. I am begging you to stay close to him, right? This is what we saw in Jeremiah. Remember, what did God say to him? He said, go to the temple doors. Beg them. Take this seriously. Life is hard. He is pleading them. That's what we saw in Jeremiah. That's what we saw in Micah. That is what we saw in Nahum. That is what we saw in Jonah. And I want you to see this. As you walk into the church, the equipping of the saints, what does it start with? It starts with him pleading with them to be ready. Like this wasn't a Christian conference of everybody who loves Jesus and likes to teach, come on and let's make sure you're ready for the upcoming mission trip. He is coming into a place and he is begging with tears in his eyes for you guys to take this seriously. He sees the world. He has met Jesus. He has heard from God. He is enlightened. He is filled. And he looks at the people and he goes, man, I, I know this world. I am begging you. To what? Look at verse 2 and 3. I am begging you to live a life 
with all lowliness. He says, be humble. You are not ready. You are not that smart. You are not that capable. Crush my pride. He goes, live humbly, right? He says, live gentle. Are you gentle? Are you gentle, church? He says, live a life with long-suffering. He says, live a life bearing with one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. So he says, I am begging you to live such a life. I am begging you not just to come to church, give some money, teach a class, not curse on Friday night with your buddies. I'm not asking you just for that. I'm asking you to live a life that shows others that you are close to God. Why? What was his intentions? It is to be light bearers, to be image bearers. But he goes, man, what do I want for the people of God? Look at 14. I told you to highlight it. He goes, man, live a life so godly so that we should no longer be children. Tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine that comes at you. By the trickery of men and the cunning and craftiness of deceitful plotting. The truth is, that's life. That is the reality of the world that we live in. And like what we saw last week on Sunday in the temptation of Jesus in the wilderness. And what we saw in David and the testing of God. What we see in Abraham. What we saw in Eve. We have this moment where Paul's looking at the church and he goes, Man, you are not ready for those waves. You're not ready for them. You're not ready for those winds. They're going to overtake you. They're going to crush your marriage. They're going to take your money. It's going to crush your mind. That is what life without God does to you. I want you to hang on this church. He begged them to live close to God so that the people of God can actually live. Have you ever begged anyone for that? Just, just hang on this for a minute, man. If you write this on top of your Bible. Have you ever cared that much? Like, have you ever begged anyone for them to really live, ever? Have you ever lived life and experienced God? You're born again, you love the church, you're learning his word, and you look at someone around you, it could be a father, a husband, a child, a neighbor, a friend, and you go, man, I'm, I'm begging you, you don't understand what you're missing, Ever? Like, you don't get it. I know you think you get it, but you're not going to survive. Have you ever seen someone and you're like, man, I don't know how to get this to your head, but I'm begging you. Anyone. Have you ever seen a brother or a sister that loves the Lord, but they start to sway? You mean, I don't know how to tell you this, but stay close to God. Have you ever loved somebody so much? You know, I was thinking about you guys. Because I can't explain to tell you what God has done in a very selfish man's heart. My wife would tell you if you said, hey, give me Hunter's behind-the-scenes issues. 
She'd say it's pride and selfishness and good looks. It'd be those three things, right? And so for a selfish man, I can't tell you what God has done in my heart to love you guys so much. And here's the reality. I know not everybody wants to hear this on a Sunday morning, but I used to not love all you guys. And let me explain to you what I mean by that. Ministry wasn't about love. Um, I loved God. I loved to teach. And I loved to grow things. And so you guys were going to be the ones I do that with. But to say, like, I lost sleep over your lives day one, you wouldn't be honest. Okay? But now, that's all I do is lose sleep over your lives. Like I sat in my office, guys, last week, and I was texting one of you here. No problems, no troubles. It wasn't an issue. But I started just crying. I'll cry right now. Because I just wanted more for you. And I used to not be that way. I used to not think any of those things. I was too self-centered and selfish. And now, every day, that's all I think about is your faith. Every day. Every single day, that's all I think about. I found myself going to Ava Ryan's volleyball game this week. Just to, you know, support the family, love them. And if you haven't watched volleyball, man, that's an awesome sport to watch. That is really, really great. Um, Really fun. And I found myself going into this situation, this setting, and like I'm sitting here watching this volleyball game, just trying to be supportive. And like my mind just went to like thinking about Ava Ryan's faith and her, <clears throat> her witness and like Ben and Brooke and just like, like I, I can't, I don't even fit in to like just a normal social situation. I don't know how to have weather talks with you. Like, I don't know how to talk about ball and hunting and, and your, what kind of grass that you're trying to grow in your face. I don't care about any of it. None of it. Like, all I care about is your faith. Like, all I care about is your witness. And man, I am crushed when you are hurting. And when you are hurt and you are broken and you are swaying, man, I am destroyed. I want you so badly here at this church. Man, I pray, and not like old school, like it'd be nice if you came to Sunday school. No, man, like every Sunday, I just, man, please bring them. Like, please bring them. And I know when you're not here, and I know when you're flaking, and I know when you got, I know when you are, and it crushes me. Because I want you here. Because I know you need to be here. Because I know how awesome God is and his people. And I know that this fuels our empty tanks. But here's the crazy thing about life. And this is what I think you see about Paul. It's not just you guys anymore. You know, with time and experience and relationships, I've grown to love all of you. But it's not really time and relationships. For you guys that are visitors... It's everything that I have to do to hold myself back from running to you at the end of service and say, please, God, come back. Like, I know how hard marriage is. 
And I know how hard kids are. And I know this world. And I know the temptations. And I know the enemy. Please, Jesus, come back here. I can't tell you how much I want to do this. You better not send me into Walmart before service. Like, I will get on the intercom and go, what are you doing here? And they're probably doing what I'm doing there. They're probably buying coffee before church, right? But that is where my mind goes with everything. And it's not just church. There's a kid on my street. He better grow up to be the next Larry Bird because that joker shoots more basketball by himself than anybody I know. He shoots basketball 24-7. And I keep thinking about his life, and I keep thinking, like, man, does he know Jesus? Like, what is his name? Who is his family? What is his parents? Like, my mind, guys, I can't tell you how my mind and my heart is burdened and weighed down by the faith of the people of this church, community, and world. We went to a soccer game. It's an awesome time, great family time, a professional soccer game at Titan Stadium. It was, it was really funny because I don't know if you've ever been to a soccer game before. Um, not many people went. It was like a VIP seating. I parked like I went to Walmart. I just parked and just walked right into the place, right? Most expensive ticket was 18 bucks. And we go in there, and it's a game just like any game. Same people, just different faces. You have the loud, drunk guy screaming vulgar language at a referee that can't hear him. You got people that are doing every which way, worshiping this sport, worshiping this idol, screaming all of these things, acting in certain ways. And man, there was no judgment. There was no self-righteousness. There was no pride. There was a moment where my heart just went to you. And I'm finding myself, I'm holding Lila's hand, I'm in the lobby. There are these stations out there where you could bet on the game. Have you ever seen this? There were stations, like a college career day. And I looked at it, and you could go, during the game, you could go and place a bet on the game you're watching, right? And I'm seeing all these people drink themselves silly, act in certain ways, bet on this game, and my mind went to you. And I just found myself in the lobby of this sporting game on a Friday night going, God, keep my people safe. Like, keep them grounded. Keep them close. See, listen to me. It is not time, experience, or relationships that makes you want to love your brothers and sisters. It is a closeness with God that creates that begging. Have you ever loved anybody that much? Have you ever wanted that for a family member or a spouse or a child have you ever looked at them and go I don't have all the right words I don't know scripture like the back of my mind I have done bad things I am not the guy to tell you but hey I'm begging you stop worshiping this world stop following the enemy stop making yourself so open to pain and just look, look at these words. Just look at them. Look at 25 and verse 4. I've really never looked at it in this angle, okay? He says, live a life. He says, therefore, putting away lying. Don't lie. 28, let him who stole steal no longer. Stop doing that. 29, 
Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth. Look at verse 31. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking, let it be put away from you with all malice and be kind to one another. Paul says this, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God and Christ forgave you. Walk in love. Chapter 5. Be imitators of God as dear children and walk in love. He says, I am begging you to do this. Hear me, church, if you have not heard me yet. Hear me. I am begging you to do this. I am begging you to stay close to God. Why? Because if you don't, it leads to death. And if you don't, it leads to pain and destruction. Because if you don't, you are missing out. Because if you don't, you miss the best life that God has in store for you. We started off just saying how hard these times are. There are people, guys, hang on it. There are people that are really sick right now. Like really sick. And there are people that are having to stay back. And they are not connected to the body of Christ. And their disciplines with even daily reading and leaning on Him are swaying because their mind is so overwhelmed and burdened with fear, right? We have people that are made to stay away right now. We have people who are scared and not able to be involved in things. We have leaders all throughout the country. I was reading a an article just last week about the number of pastors that are tapping out and quitting right now. Countrywide is the most it has seen in 25 years. Leaders and musicians and Sunday school teachers, they're discouraged because it's a different class every week. And man, what happened to all my people and all of these individuals? And they're discouraged and they're tired and they're tapping out. All the while, idols are doing just fine. Idols are thriving. We'll send our kids to 40 hours of school, but we're a little uncomfortable with Sunday school. Like, man, I'm not the smartest guy around or even in this room, but I can see through this. Like, no one's upset about football or a parade, right? Like, let's cancel school, and I don't know if I can come to church, but by golly, I will be at Friday Night Lights. Like, am I the only one who's seen this? Man, the enemy has come down, and they has shut the church down, and he has pushed idols to the forefront, and we have bought that hook. And Paul goes, man, I am begging you. I am begging you, do not invite hardship. Stay close to God. Live worthy of the calling with which you were called. With all loneliness, be humble. Hang on it, please. Be humble. Be gentle during these times. We do not need your self-righteous judgment on people during these times. Be humble. Be gentle with long-suffering, bearing with one another in love. 
endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Why? Because this leads to a closer relationship with God and the better life. Stay close to the Lord. Keep your discipline strong and repent. Brad and Jordan, will you all come up, please? Y'all are going to pray for us as we go into the Lord's Supper. Just come up on stage and stand awkwardly. I told David that we're not going to do songs. Um, I'm just going to lead this and we're going to pray and we're going to pray for forgiveness and we're going to celebrate the forgiveness that he gives. And so we're not going to 1st and 2nd Corinthians where we see a lot of emphasis on the Lord's Supper. We're going to stay in Ephesians and I want you to go to the prayer for spiritual wisdom. Will you go to Ephesians 1 with me? And so this is what I was praying. I woke up at 3 o'clock this morning and man, it was raining. It was raining Labor Day weekend in the midst of a pandemic. And I said, man, it might be just me and the camera. I don't know if anybody's showing up. This is a hat trick. Like all we need is flying dragons and we'll call it a day, right? But man, we got a room full. And so this is what I was praying. God, what would you have for the people today? Like just today, what do you have for the people today? We talked about the enemy's temptation We talked about God's testing to grow us, to build us. The reality of how hard life is. Your tiredness, your weariness, your pulling, your faith. And I am praying this morning. I am begging you. I am pleading with you. Scripture pleads with you. Stay close to God. Stay close to God. Put him first in all that you do. Put him first in all that you do. This is what I'm going to do. I'm going to read verses 15 through 23. And then I want you to bow your heads. And I want you to take a minute as, as Brad prays here. I want you to pray for forgiveness. If right now you feel like, Hunter, I have drifted. Or maybe I don't feel like I've drifted, but I'm not what I'm reading. I'm not humble. I'm not being gentle. I've, I've opened myself up to behavior for hurting. Wherever you are, or if you got it all figured out, just keep your eyes open, and that's fine too, okay? But my eyes will be closed, and I will be praying for endurance, and I will be praying for stamina, okay? Just pray for the God who forgives to forgive, okay? <clears throat> This is what Paul says in Ephesians 1. Please follow me. Therefore I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in all my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him. Pray for wisdom, church. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened that you may know what is the hope of his calling that are the riches of his glory of his inheritance in the saints and what is exceeding greatness of the power towards us who believe according to the working of his mighty power which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly places far above all principality and power might, might and dominion 
and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in that which is to come, you and I. And he put all things under his feet and gave him to be head over things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills in all. Let's bow our heads. Brad. <clears throat> Amen. Amen. So as you take out the bread in the remembrance of his body that was broken and beaten for the symbol of his love and grace for you and I, that was an ordained moment that he came to save, as Brad said, sinners like myself, like him, like Jordan, like all of you. We come together in our tiredness and weariness, and we worship and give thanks to God and his salvation. We partake in the bread. Man, this is the gospel right here, okay? We're not done yet. If you're already excited about lunch and where you're having to go and what you got to do, give me five minutes, okay? Look at Ephesians 2. This is the greatest word you have heard today, okay? Just listen to it. This is why we celebrate. This is what fuels us. Paul says, in you he made alive. You were dead in trespasses and sins. Brad just prayed this. In which you once walked according to the course of the world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lusts of the flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just like the others. That's the reality of life. That is who you were outside of Christ. If you are not saved today, that is where you stand today. Man, highlight but God, that's all you hear, so much better than my words. I like that. But God, but God who is rich in mercy, because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. And you've raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Jesus Christ. That in the ages to come, he might show his exceedingly riches of his grace and his kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest anyone boast. 
For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Hang with me. Therefore, remember that you, once Gentiles in the flesh, who are called uncircumcision by that which is the circumcision made in the flesh by hands, 12, that at the time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers of the covenants of the promise, having no hope and without God in this world. But now, hang on it, but now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been bought near by the blood of of Christ. Let's bow our heads. Jordan, we pray for us. Amen. <clears throat> you take your juice. And the remembrance of the blood that was shed for you and I so that we could have the better life. That we can have the promise of glory, that there will be a day where there will be no more cancer, there will be no more sickness, there will be no more begging. It will be glory at its essence. There will be a day where no more pandemic, no more idols, no more hurting, no more brokenness, all which was accomplished on the cross. We partake in the remembrance of that in the juice. Go ahead and stand with me. As we close here, guys, we're going to pray one last time for all those that are lost. Um, you all have people in your life right now. We all sway. I sway. I drift. We all do that. That's part of the human condition. But there are people in your life that are lost that do not know Jesus. And right now we are going to end our Lord's Supper by just praying and, and pleading with the Lord to step forward in their life. So will you bow your heads? And as I pray, if you have someone on your mind, you're welcome to come to the altar and pray for them. You're welcome to stay where you are, but just pray for that individual that needs desperately God's salvation. Let's bow our heads one last time. God, we thank you for today. Lord, I pray for the stamina of this church. I pray for the endurance of this church. I pray for our leaders. Um, I pray for our staff. I pray for our teachers. Lord, keep them motivated. Keep them hungry. Keep them encouraged. Keep them moved by your spirit. How desperately needed in this world we need them. Keep them coming back week after week after week to pour and encourage and equip the saints. Be with our people that are drifting right now, that are swaying right now, Lord. Keep them close to you. 
for the sake of their marriages, for the sake of their children, for the sake of their families, for the sake of their friends, for the sake of their image being light bearers for your name. Lord, I pray for all those who are lost, all those that do not know you, for our neighbors and friends that we know they are not living the best life, a life filled with the Spirit of Jesus. Lord, I pray for them now. We want to see salvation. We want to see salvation, God. I pray you give every single person here that is a Christian the opportunity to pour your goodness into the lives of the lost. In your precious and holy name, the church says in harmony, amen. See you.